All right, so welcome, welcome, everybody. Going to be getting started here, and we're going to be talking about the love of Jesus Christ. And I have been uh, ripping through First John all day long, uh, correcting out minor uh, mistranslations, mostly that are just. You see, when when a, a kid or someone like that gets their hands on uh, any version of the Bible, there's probably, uh, Google says there's about 5 billion copies of the Bible out there. I say there's probably a lot more than that. I would say there's probably about 15 billion. But, right, what we're, when a kid gets their hands on a, uh, version of the Bible with a few mistranslations in there, right? They, they can damage uh, the kid's life, right? Um, and for example, right, if you're taking you're taking um, the fourth commandment, right, and you're change some changes changing it to uh, may, right? You may work six days a week. Well. The idea behind the fourth commandment is keep keep the seventh day holy and right and uh, be very hardworking right so be hardworking enough to get your dreams right and so when you change it to May right uh, and you c combine it perhaps with a few other verses right it can be damaging to people's lives it can lead them astray right uh, I did point out one. A verse in Mankind, uh, sorry, one verse in First John that says, uh, "By loving each other, we we can gain access to heaven." That's what the verse suggests. This is not correct, right? It's not just a mankind loving each other, right? An atheist cannot uh, just by loving each other gain access to heaven. Uh, not according to Christ Jesus, right? And I explained that, but. That mistranslation, right, could potentially damage someone's life as if they believed it, right? But uh, and so, right, this is the reason I'm I'm uh, spending so much time uh, sh sifting through the verses of the Bible for God. Uh, and just to try and produce a really accurate, really uh, spectacular uh, Bible in general. That's what we're going for, right? And if you guys are noticing, if you are reading the Disciples of Christ version of the Bible, uh, in front of some verses, right, there will be an asterisk. Uh, the asterisk allows linking uh, to a YouTube video where I explain why the verse was translated uh, as it was, and um, right, uh, why so many other versions of the Bible, or or some other versions of the Bible at least, got it wrong, and how the theology could maybe uh, be misinterpreted, and so right. Obviously, uh, I I do believe that. Uh, like I said, with with so many versions of the Bible out there, over five thousand copies of the five billion, sorry, over five billion copies of the Bible out there, I do I do think I'm doing a, a whole lot of good, uh, producing a a plus 
going for an A-plus grade Bible, getting these mistranslations out so that uh, people, all mankind, for the sake of all mankind, uh, I can, I can, you know, get these, uh, you know, accurate theology out there, right? Accurate theology being theology that points and leads to God, i.e. heaven, and inaccurate theology will not produce heaven, right? And so it is important. Uh, I have found that, uh, well, I, I, I'm, a, I'm very passionate about it. It's something I love doing. I love doing it for God. And I love uh, going through all the translations and uh, making sure that the accurate theology is there. Uh, if you're seeking accurate theology, right, in your life, well, you should start by reading the Bible. Read through it one time. Don't, don't just trust someone uh, to preach it to you. Right. Uh, get yourself a good version. Uh, current, current best version, I will tell you, it's uh, King James version of the Bible. is pretty dang good. Uh, and uh, that is that is uh, old English. And yeah, you'll you'll have to sift through it. It's very accurate, and some of the verses verses translations in there are just beautiful. Anyways, sorry, I'm just sort of obsessing about uh, what I've been working on, just because right, my mind's racing through it, trying to figure figure it all out, all the verses and all the proper capitalizations of. Uh, brothers and brethrens and he's and but anyways right so when it boils down to it right what christianity will produce in anyone's life is greatly beneficial there is no um accurate theology that will produce bad fruit good theology produces good fruit bad theology will produce bad fruit right so understanding this is extremely important. It is the foundation. It is the foundation of the Christian religion. It is the foundation of faith. It is one of the reasons Christ Jesus came. It says that Christ Jesus came to lead people, to save people from their sins, to lead them away from their sins. So prior to Christ Jesus, prior to a Bible, right, you didn't really have any book or any uh, guiding light, any beacon pointing you to uh, the ways, right? The ways in life that were effective, good, and, you know, in alignment with God to get you to that happy life that you, that so many people are looking for, right? So that is one of the purposes of the Bible. More importantly, the Bible points to God, a, a relationship with the divine being, an offer from God. You keep my ways and I will dwell within your tabernacle, right? A tabernacle being God's holy dwelling place within each and every individual. And that offer is extended to all mankind who would choose to lay down their own ways, lay down their own life and take up God's ways, exchange unrighteousness, ex exchange the ways of mankind for righteousness, the ways God finds pleasing in his sight, right? And so this is, this is all done. It was all done out of love to help other people. And so this is why when you examine the story of Christ, it is so profound that Christ laid down his life, everything he could have been. Christ could have been a masterful carpenter. He could have been 
who knows? He could have been a great public speaker. He could have been very, very rich and famous. Uh, obviously, he was a masterful preacher, right? And in fact, uh, the devil came to him and says, I'll offer you all the kingdoms of the earth. If you just don't do this one thing for God, if you just don't preach, I'll give you anything in the whole world. And Christ says, no way, right? I serve God and God alone. And so this is an example of how Christians are, are how we are to exist. Not for all the kingdoms of all the earth would I betray my God. That is loyalty, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, right? Have no idols before him, right? So God is first and foremost in our lives. This is the foundation of love, right? If you are willing to betray someone, right, you obviously don't love them. Right? The definition of love is that you would fight for them, right? You would you'd live for them. You would die for them. And ah, if you wouldn't die for them, right, it's not really love. I, I, hate to, I hate to say it, but love is a sort of all-encompassing, deeply immersive emotion. It goes from just the, the frosting on the cake into the very bottom. It goes and, and all throughout it, right? That is the definition of love. If you love someone, you're willing to be kind to them, compassionate to them. You're willing to hold them. You're willing to keep them. You're willing to protect them, watch over them. You're willing to work for them. You're willing to sweat for them. You're willing to bleed for them. You're willing to die for them. That is the Christian definition of love. It is the definition of love in all forms. Understanding this is extremely important when you are Christian and you're trying to grasp some of these uh, commandments of God. Right. God commands, therefore we do. God commands Christians, therefore Christians do. And it's not an instantaneous process, right? We are practicing our covenants with God, walking forwards towards immortality, right? But understanding that some people, right, they say love with their mouth, and that's not really what they mean. Um... And making sure, right, that we're not Christians, we're not sort of going for uh, society's uh, use of the word love, right? We're not going for uh, finding love in uh, the way that our society views it. No, right? Because society, right, our society in the United States, maybe you fall in love right and then you get married two years later you're divorced and you have another wife and now hey you're having you're getting a divorce again now is that love no absolutely not right so love is in uh, the divine kingdoms right in god's ways right it's not it's not that i'll tell you right if you see the old married couple who are happily married because they've stuck with it and taken steps, right? Out of love, we take steps towards developing the love, towards making sure that both parties within the love are happy, content, right? Uh, busy, 
you know, maybe sometimes you, you, you just need space and you say, hey, well, looks like I'm going to be picking up some extra shifts, right? But taking the steps necessary so that love can thrive, so that God's love can dwell with you, that's important. It's really important in life if it's not the most important thing. Because if you don't have love in your life, how are you going to have a life that you love? You can't. And so uh, developing love is one of the most important parts of, of our lives as, uh, as humans, right? As Christians, as followers of Christ, right? We are to love God with our heart, soul, strength, and mind. We are to love each other, right? And so taking the steps necessary to grow in love is extremely important. Making a mental note, becoming mindful and remaining mindful and growing in mindfulness. I know I'm a loving person. I have friends. Well, how can you grow in that love? How can your communication be saturated in love? And these sort of mentalities, right? These are uh, hidden keys, right? They're beneficial notes, right? Beneficial verses in the Bible that if applied to your life, you will possess the mustard seed of faith that Christ is talking about when he says, take with you a mustard seed of faith and you will point it at a mountain and tell that mountain to jump and that mountain will jump, right? Nothing will be impossible for you. And, right, it does take mindfulness and it does take uh, a sincere amount of work, right? Christ himself was not... Uh, uh, a lackluster uh, preacher, right? He poured in thousands and thousands of hours into his parables and into his preaching and into his uh, work for God as he traveled throughout uh, creation, right? For God, serving other people, blessing other people, helping out other people out of love, right? And this love that God is talking about, right? It doesn't, it doesn't look like what you see in society today. So if you're going into places and you're seeing a mankind sort of love, hey, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. And if you start taking advantage of me or don't treat me perfectly, right, up to my high standards, well, then you're out of my life. Well, that's not love, right? Uh, Christ says, if, if you love only those who love you, right, what good is it to you? What benefit? Don't even the pagans do that. And so as Christians, we're, we're to possess a divine state of love that is grown, honed, and manifested into alignment, out of alignment with the world and into alignment with God himself, his holy ways, the divine realms, right? And so, yeah, you will sometimes, right? You will find yourself doing things just out of love, just to help other people. This is the spirit of God. It's the spirit of truth. It's the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. Out of love, we move. 
out of love, Christians do the will of God. Out of love, you see Christian missionary work being done all throughout existence, all throughout God's kingdom, right? That is what God is going for. He's not calling for equal to mankind. If you are equal to mankind, then you are dust. Out of the dust you were formed, and into the dust you shall return. It is only through practicing God's divine ways, right, that we start to well up that wellspring of immortality within ourselves that will result in eternal life, the promise, right? So the what God is talking about is very, very cool in the Bible. It's pretty incredible. And, you know, maybe you hear people and they say, oh, that's so dorky. Well, they haven't seen the miracles, right? Maybe, maybe you, you have, uh, seen people or, or, or poke fun or seen non-believers. Well, they have not witnessed the miracles of God because if they had witnessed the miracles of God, if they had known where God would lead them, I guarantee you there's not one of them who would not drop everything they were doing in their life and run directly to God's plan for their life. I guarantee you. Mm. King Solomon, right, the wisest man in all existence, said he says he made nearly 700 uh, talents of gold a year. Something like that, you know, translated, he was extremely rich. It says It says he made a silver as common as dirt in, in Israel. And so King Solomon, the wisest man of all in all time, in all existence, suggests that surrender, the surrender of our own ways to God's ways is the beginning of wisdom. And that, that, that's accurate, right? When you realize that God's ways are beneficial for you, God, being a loving God, showed the perfect road to happiness, your dreams, exaltation. What is it that you want because... God knows the way, but you have to trust God. You have to love God or he's not going to reveal the way, right? But if you do indeed love God in the full measure of that word, there is not one thing that God will not show you how to do. There is no greater teacher in all existence than the Lord God of Israel himself. That is the offer that God is offering. That is what it means to be salted. The salt is not just representing uh, purity. It's not just representing uh, interchange. It's representing God himself dwelling, coming and dwelling within us, living within us. The one true living God with us, Emmanuel, God with us, in us. That's what God's offering. It's not, uh, it's not going to be a, a sad life. It's not going to be a half life. It's going to be a full life. It's going to be an incredible life. But it does take time. And it does take a certain level of commitment. It's not, uh, you, can, you can keep half of your sinful, sinful stuff over on the left. And hey, on the right, you can 
come and dine at the Lord's table. No, God says you have to lay it all down, 100%, all of it. Consecrate yourselves for the Lord God of Israel. You have to become holy like God is holy. And then the mountains will move. The doorways will open. God himself will enter your dreams and point the way that he wants you to travel. <laughs> that, that is how it works, and it's pretty incredible. Uh, and it's not just dreams, right? There's, there's more. Uh, one time back in 2013, I was trading on the stock market, and I had lost about $40,000 in the day. And I was crying, and I was praying to God, and I said, God, why did you let me do this? Why did you let this happen? I've done nothing but work for you for years now for in a row. And uh, back then, you know, my work ethic was pretty sincere, as today my work ethic is pretty sincere. I'm at about 12 to 14 hours for the day I already worked, and I plan on keeping going. So at least, at least 16, but anyways... I said, God, why would you let this happen? And I was crying and alone in, uh, in the backyard. And I heard this voice. I heard the voice of God tell me, do this. And it'll all be fine tomorrow. So first thing in the morning, I woke up and I did exactly what that voice told me. And lo and behold, I made $200,000 in six hours. And everything was okay, just as the voice had told me. There's some things in life that are, there's just too large a number. There's just too much evidence supporting one opinion right, the opinion that God is real, to deny. Uh, and so understanding that, right, now, God is not uh, limited, right, but he does, he does command, right, he does require certain things from us. A covenant, right, the covenant with Abraham, the covenant with Noah, the covenant with all the ancestors of the Israelites, uh, is an agreement between mankind and God. You practice the ways of righteousness, i.e. the ways pleasing in God's eyes, and God will be with you. And so that is why the laying down of one's life is mandatory, right? You cannot sit at two tables. You cannot sit at the table of God and the table of the devil. God is not going to uh, exalt or empower or help someone who is doing evil, right? He's going to oppose them, right? So understanding that is very important, right? But what God has done for me in my life, God is willing to do it for you in your life. What God did for the Israelites, what God did for the prophets of the Bible, he is willing to do in your life. But you have to do what God asks. You have to do what God uh, commands, right? 
And so, and you know, God is not going to lead you. If you look at the stories in the Bible, they're not boring lives. They're not lives where uh, King David kicks his feet up at the end of his life and says, oh, man, that was so boring. No. King David was a warrior king who lived life and life in abundance. King Solomon was the wisest, richest man of all time who lived life and life in abundance. Christ Jesus was a representation of the living God. The Bible even suggests that he was God himself, an aspect of the Holy Trinity. The life manifested, the word became life and it manifests, and we do declare that our hands have felt it, right? Have touched it. Pretty incredible. And Jesus Christ lived life and life in abundance. Not a mundane life where he was pulling a nine to five, disgruntled in his life, discontent. He would come home and he would turn on Stranger Things season two. And he was just unhappy. No, that was not Christ's life. Christ would go out into the world. By his own choice, he would not accept finances. Otherwise, he would have been extremely rich. He summoned a fish that had a drachma coin in its mouth. If he wanted money, God would have given him money. But Christ was to set, Christ chose to set an example that money was not the only thing in the, on earth that, that is important. In fact, right, you do see millionaires, billionaires, multi-billionaires who are very, very insanely wealthy and very, very insanely unhappy. And so Christ lived life and life in abundance, but not just life. He lived an extra natural life. There were miracles produced. There were fruit harvests. There is fruit harvested that cannot be harvested without the coupling, the joining of your own life to the one true living God and his ways. Miracles and miracles and abundance were Christ's portion, his abundance. And because, right, anyways, I don't want to go too far into that, but Remember that God's offer is incredible. You might not know exactly where God's leading. You might not know God's exact plan for you. All you have to do is keep listening, keep moving forward, and God will get you the rest of the way. Follow the ways of the Lord God of Israel. Walk in the paths of righteousness, and all things will become possible to you. He holds nothing back. God holds nothing back from his good servants. Hey, blessings. I think that's it for the evening, guys. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. And I will see you guys all next time.